Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the fifth Sunday of Easter, and we hear from the Reverend Maggie Foote as she preaches from the lectionary, which was John chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. help us all to look at this passage from John's Gospel this morning and review the context surrounding it. Because in this Easter season, the lectionary has us jumping around in in time and in the narrative of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So before we go on, a little bit of background. What's going on here? Chapter 14 of John's Gospel is part of what is commonly known as the farewell discourse of Jesus a long sort of sermon that he delivers to his followers on the eve of his betrayal and subsequent crucifixion. Jesus speaks these words the same night that that he washes the disciples' feet, after he tells the disciples that one of the people sitting in that very room will betray him. He tells them that he will be with them only a little longer and that where he is going, they cannot come. And finally, this morning's passage immediately follows the passage in which he tells Peter that he will deny Jesus three times before morning has fully broken. So when Jesus starts this morning in chapter 14 with, do not let your hearts be troubled, it feels as futile as when I try to tell my overexhausted toddler not to cry. (laughs) Of course he's crying. Of course their hearts are troubled. They have been following Jesus and bearing witness to the healing and miracles he's been performing in their midst. They've been finding hope in his teachings. And now he's just told them basically that it's all over. And not just that, it's all coming to a tragic, violent, and shameful end that includes their own acts of betrayal and denial of him. But let's dig a little deeper and get a little more precise about what exactly this part of Jesus' message to the disciples is responding to. At the end of chapter 13, in verse 33, Jesus says, Where I am going, you cannot come. And later, in verse 36, Peter asks him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus responds, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. And then that's when he goes on to predict Peter's denial of Jesus. Immediately following this conversation is where we pick up this morning. When taken on its own, it's easy to see why this passage is often used in funerals. On its face, it seems to offer offer lovely imagery about Jesus going ahead of us into heaven to put out the linens and towels for us in one of these dwelling places in his father's house. But when we read it in its context... We know that from this moment, to get to where he's going on ahead of us, Jesus is going to have to pass through betrayal, shame, violence, agony, and abandonment. So let's listen again to Jesus' words. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. And that's when Thomas chimes in. Yes, the same doubting Thomas we heard about a few weeks ago who insisted on touching Jesus' wounds before he could believe that it's really him. This scene, to me, feels a little bit like Thomas's doubting origin story. Because when he's confronted with Jesus' suggestion that the disciples know the way to where Jesus is going, he pushes back. He says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And this is when Jesus brings in the heavy-hitting verses we've likely heard for most of our church-going lives. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So now that we've zoomed out and carefully considered the context in which we find ourselves this morning, there are two questions that come up for me. Number one, why this passage now, today? Why take us back to the night before Jesus was betrayed in the middle of the Easter season, the season of resurrection? And number two, what do we do with Jesus' claim that he is the way, the truth, and the life? So first, why this passage now? While I have long since given up trying to divine the mind of the committee that creates the revised common lectionary, the schedule of readings that we follow on Sunday mornings, I will share what I think the impact of placing this reading here could be. Because, as we all know, intent is not always the same as impact. So what they're trying to do here might not necessarily align with my take on it. We've come through Lent, and we've walked with Jesus through the last week of his life during Holy Week. We've celebrated his glorious resurrection on Easter, And since then, we've been immersing ourselves in the glorious mystery of the risen Christ, with stories of him appearing to the disciples in his risen body. While on the one hand, he's the same as he was before, even carrying the wounds of his crucifixion, as we heard in the story of Thomas, he's also sometimes unrecognizable, and he's doing weird things like disappearing into thin air and walking through closed doors. If nothing else, the cumulative effect of hearing those stories gives us a sense of the power of the resurrection. That Jesus isn't dead, but alive in our world, and showing up at unexpected times and in unexpected places. It's almost enough for us to forget the pain, both physical and spiritual, that Jesus experienced on his journey from life to death, and back to life again. And I think that that's a risk the Revised Common Lectionary Committee is trying to mitigate by placing this passage here in the midst of our Easter Easter joy. Because resurrection doesn't mean that death doesn't still happen. And joy doesn't always take away pain. Death and resurrection go hand in hand. And now that we've taken a deep dive into the death of Jesus through Holy Week and a deep dive into his resurrection in the Easter season, we're left moving through the hardship of life, which includes death and pain 
and suffering and betrayal and denial, all alongside the promise of new life. That's life. That's life when lived in relationship with one another and with God. That's life. And life is exactly what Jesus offers us. It's not a painless existence. It's complicated and messy and painful and beautiful and will break your heart open and heal it all at the same time. So when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus isn't pointing us to a road map that will tell us exactly how we can get into heaven. And he's not offering us an exclusive passage into a place where not everyone is welcome. It's not a commandment to act a certain way or follow a certain doctrine. It's an invitation into a relationship. Messy. Complicated. Beautiful. Jesus is speaking here to people who already follow him, and he's reminding them that the truths that they seek are found when they walk with Jesus and allow Jesus to walk with them into the painful and broken places of their lives and open their hearts to the promise that it's there that they'll find new life. Jesus as the way is not prohibitive, it's promissory. It's not a quick fix or a way to bypass the pain of life and skip right to the pearly gates. It's a promise that new life springs up from seemingly dead places. And we know that because we've seen it in Jesus. <clears throat>